so church, as you guys know, we've been walking through the book of Acts for uh, the last several months, and so today we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, but before we get to chapter 9, uh, I, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my tia, my aunt, my tia Chavela. Um, my tia Chavela lived in Houston. Uh, she lived there uh, most of her life after uh, migrating from Mexico, but uh, for some time, she would often come up to Nebraska and visit us. Is this on? Yeah? Okay, sweet. Uh, just making sure. Uh, she'd come up and visit us, and uh, she'd spend like Fourth of July season kind of with us, and she was one of my favorite aunts. I loved hanging out with her. Uh, she'd always bring me Pokemon cards, so, you know, that's the way to a seven-year-old's heart. Um, and so uh, it was just a joy to get to know her and to spend time with her and to hang out with her. But uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I think I was 15, um, she got really sick. Uh, she got sick to the point to where my family had decided, hey, it's probably best for her to no longer be in Houston and to come and spend some time with us in Nebraska. Uh, we would take her to the doctors here. I don't know why my family made that decision, uh, but they did. Um, through consistent just examination from the doctors, uh, we came to realize that uh, she had cancer, um, and it was too far um, to the point, you know, there was a, a season where she spent a length of time in the hospital, um, and it came to the point to where the doctors told us, and they said, hey, there's nothing more we can do. Um, she became terminally ill, and so she came home and spent uh, her last week or so with us in my house. Uh, I can remember the days of my family being gathered, flocks of just people, uh, you know, in a small house, uh, just begging the Lord to do something. I, I can remember as a young 15-year-old kid just wanting to take the pain away and, and just wanting to be able to do something so that she would no longer suffer. Something to where maybe she would just have a little bit more life. But it was completely out of my control. And and I realized that I really couldn't do anything, that it was completely out of my power. And one day while I was away at school, my aunt passed. And that was the first time I had experienced death. And it was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to navigate through. And like me, I'm sure that many of you have family or friends or you yourself have walked through a season where you've experienced loss, hardship, illnesses, chronic pain, right? And, and there's nothing that we can do sometimes. And it's really frustrating because we, we desire to will ourselves to be able to have some sort of strength or some sort of power in order to take the pain away from another and to take it on ourselves, right? Like there's that desire if it's someone in our family or we just beg and beg and beg and ask God to do something to continue to heal and to move in our lives or our friends' lives or our family members' lives. And it sometimes feels like there's no hope in the midst of that. Well, today in Acts chapter 9, we're going to see that there is a hope. That there is a greater hope through our great God who does have power over death and who does have power over disease and has power over all things. And so we're going to see God's power over everything in Acts chapter 9 today. We're going to see it in two movements. First, we'll see it in God's power.
power over disease, and then we'll see it in God's power over death, and then finally we'll also see that God's power is in us. So friends, uh, open up your Bibles, please, and read with me again Acts 9, verses 32 to 35. It says this, As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed, and he'd been bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So we transition back to the Apostle Peter, right? Uh, We were in Saul's story for a little bit last week as we saw his transformation and conversion to Christianity. We see God do something sweet. But we left Peter in Acts chapter 8. Last time we saw him, he was in Samaria. He, He came down to affirm the fact that God had saved the people in Samaria and he prayed over them and the Spirit of God moves and absolutely transforms lives. In a beautiful way. And here we see in Acts 32 that he's traveling from place to place. And he's traveling because we saw in Acts chapter 8 that the church was scattered throughout the region. And so he's going to go and minister back and forth to different peoples who who know the Lord Jesus. And he just wants to continue to care for them and shepherd them and to continue to share the good news of Christ with others across the globe. And that's where we see him here today in Lydda as he's traveled 25 miles from Jerusalem to continue to uh, minister to the saints in Lydda, as the text tells us to care for them. And as he's in Lydda, he comes across a man who's been lame for eight years. And he looks at him, and he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. If I'm Aeneas in that moment, I'm kind of like, what is this man thinking, right? Like, I'm like, uh, do you know what I've been experiencing for the last several years? How can you simply say something so easy? And yet God moves radically, and he heals this man, and he's able to get up. And it, it's a miracle right before his eyes. We, it's really easy to read these, like, three verses, three, four verses, and it go, wow, that's just so plain right in front of us. But it is a miracle, There is a crazy power that we see here in Jesus Christ's power over disease as he heals this man who's been uh, not able to walk for eight years. And the story sounds so familiar, right? Acts chapter 3, we saw John and Peter going into the beautiful gate and they see the lame man and they heal him there as well. And it sounds even more familiar to Mark chapter 2. If you've read Mark chapter 2, we see the story of Jesus who's in Capernaum and crowds of people are surrounding him in this house. Crowds of people are coming to him and there's some friends who say, we have a friend who's lame. And so they do everything they can to get this man to Jesus. In fact, they, they lower the man through the roof of the house and put him right in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He forgives the man of his sin and he says, get up and make your bed. Get up and take your mat and go, right? It's the exact same story that we see. And so Peter was there, right, witnessing it all. And as he sees Aeneas and as he sees the man in in Acts chapter 3, he just says, man, my God can do anything. And I have complete faith in that. And so Peter 
proclaims Jesus, and Jesus heals the man. And key in to what Peter says, right? He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus is the one who does the healing. Peter could care less about his own ministry. He could care less about his own name. And he proclaims Christ and the power that Christ has over disease. And he says, Jesus is the only one who could do this. It's not about me. It's not about what I could do. It's not about the gifts that God has given to me. But it's all about Jesus. And we could do nothing apart from Jesus because he knows he can't do anything without Jesus. I'm sure Peter recalls that moment with Jesus himself in John chapter 15 where Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he tells them about the vine and the branches and he says this in 15.5, John 15.5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Peter knows that he could do nothing without Jesus. And so he trusts who God is He trusts the power of Jesus Christ. He trusts that Jesus has authority over disease. And he proclaims his name and he knows that there's good works. Why? Because he knows Jesus. And because of what Jesus can do, not what he can do. And I often find myself, as I was reading this passage, I was convicted and I asked myself, man, where do I try to use my own gifts for my own name? There's moments where I'll think, man, I... As I encourage this person or speak to this person, I hope they, they like think high of me, right? Or as I serve somebody and take out the trash, I hope they go, man, Alex is a really good servant. Or, or as I uh, continue to uh, just love my wife, I, and I hope that people see it and go, oh my gosh, Alex is a good husband. And in the midst of all of that, man, I make it all about myself. And it's all about Jesus. Church, so what, what is it for you? where you try to use the gifts or the service or the hospitality or the encouragement or whatever gift God has given to you, are you trying to boast in yourself or are you remembering that you can do nothing apart from him and so you just do it for his glory and for his honor and because of who he is? Because we can bear no fruit apart from Christ and Christ himself. Peter knows that he can look to Jesus and say, this is all him, not myself, but it's all you, Christ. You're the one who turns people to yourself. You're the one who heals. You're the one who has the authority over all things. And we can get lost in the weeds in this story and go, man, Peter healed somebody? That's a miracle. That's absolutely wild. And we get lost in the fact that Peter did some healing through the name of Jesus, but It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. It's about the God who has authority over all things. And when we see the power of God, right? When people witness how amazing he is, they turn to him. They see how beautiful and how wonderful and how splendid the giver is. And they turn, like we see in verse 35, that all of those who lived in Lydda and Sharon, they saw him and they turn to the Lord. They see the gift, and they don't just go, wow, that's a cool gift. No, they see the giver of the gift. And I imagine that it wasn't just simply a moment where Peter walked up to Aeneas, and there was a crowd of people, and he goes, 
Jesus Christ heals you, he gets up, and then everybody turns, because everybody probably couldn't hear the conversation that's going on. No, I'm sure there were conversations that happened after that. The neighbor who maybe wasn't there, who sees Aeneas walking down the street and goes, what's going on there? How can you walk? Oh, Jesus Christ healed me. Let me tell you about him. There's a proclamation that happens in the midst of this that people come to know who Jesus is. In fact, we know that people can't come to faith unless they hear of who Jesus is, right? Romans 10, verse 14, it says, How can they call on him that how can they call on him they that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And and how can they hear without a preacher? And then in verse 17 he says, So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. I'm sure there was a proclamation of the gospel in the midst of all of that, that Peter had conversations with people as they saw the miracle that happened before they, uh, their eyes, that that's what made them turn to the Lord. They saw the miracle and they went, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ has authority over disease. Jesus Christ has authority over all things. And so they turned to him as the one true God. That's the power that Jesus has. That's the power that we continue to see through this story as we continue to see through the book of Acts and continue to see throughout the, entire, the entirety of Scripture that Jesus is the authority and has power over all things. So let's keep reading how he not only has power over disease, but he also has it over death. Read with me in verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, She was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, she became sick and died. After washing her, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent two men to him who urged him, don't delay in coming with us. Peter got up and he went with them. When he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all the widows approached him weeping and showing him their robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down, prayed, and turning toward the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He gave her his hand, and he helped her stand up. He called the saints and the widows and presented her alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed for sometime in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. We see the fruit continually over and over again of Peter proclaiming Christ, and we see it here in this section as he heals Aeneas, gets word that there's someone else who's sick, and he goes to Joppa, which is another 12 miles away, to go and heal a woman named Tabitha, right? Dorcas which is what most people called me in middle school. (laughs) Actually, I think they still call me it. Um, But once he gets there, she's dead, and they've cleaned her up. They've put her in the upper room. They've cared for her, right, as she cared for them. We clearly see that she meant something special to them. And once Peter gets there, he says, hey, can you guys just leave the room? He gets on his knees, and he prays the first thing he does, he just prays and he asks the Lord to fill him with his spirit and to do something 
absolutely wonderful and beautiful and amazing. And God does. Now, let's be real. If I'm Tabitha and I get up and I'm resurrected, I'm kind of angry because I'm like, I was just in the presence of God. Why did you bring me back? Ah! (laughs) Nobody? Everybody else? Okay. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, we see the miraculous healing again that Peter presents. And it draws us back to Jesus again, doesn't it? Mark chapter 5, verses 6 to 43, we have the story of Jesus healing a little girl. It sounds awfully familiar to the ministry that Christ has done because when Jesus goes to this house to heal this little girl, he says, everybody get out of the room except for Peter, James, John. And as they watch, Jesus performs a miracle and brings the girl back to life. And again, Peter just says, I believe that my God has authority and power over death. I've seen him do it, and he's going to do it again. And so he says, Tabitha, get up and rise. And Jesus resurrects this woman from the dead. He brings her back to life. When there was nothing that Peter can do to resurrect somebody back to life, right? There's nothing that we humanly can do to bring somebody back. There's no power that we could sort of present to bring someone back. And yet Jesus has authority and power over death. That's the God that we worship. And that's the God that we serve. And like Tabitha, each and every single one of us is dead in our sin without Christ. And we need resurrection. And we need to be brought back to life. And our God himself came to give us life. And yet in our sin, we've turned away from him and been separated from him, right? When we turn away from him and we go, we choose this life, we choose our sin, we choose ourselves much more than we desire to choose you, God. He still came for us. Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned and that we're all dead in our sin and in our trespasses. And we know that the wages of sin is death in Romans 3.23, that we deserve death and we are dead in our sin, separated eternally from God, that there is no good work, there is no miracle, there is no uh, trying to earn God's favor. There's nothing we could possibly do to resurrect ourselves and to bring us to life. Only great power and great authority could bring us back to life. And that power is Jesus Christ. That he came and he died so that we could have eternal life once we turn to him and repent of our sin. I love the language that these stories use, right? So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon, they saw him and they turned to the Lord. And the same thing in the story with Joppa. This became known throughout all of Joppa and many believed in the Lord. They turned to him. It's the same when we repent of our sin because repent means simply to turn away from and to walk towards Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel, that we have a God who resurrects dead sinners, that he gives us new life because we were all dead in our sin like Tabitha. And yet there's a promise of resurrection and there's a promise of new life. Do we believe that? Do we believe that our God actually has the power to resurrect us from the dead. 
Do you remember what it was like to be far off from God, and yet He brought you near through the blood of His Son and through the resurrection of Christ Himself? And if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never believed that you are far off from God, friend, would you turn to Him today? Would you come to see the power that he has to bring resurrection to all? That he died for each and every single one of us that would come to him. Would you know that he died for you? To give you eternal life, to have eternal joy with him. Would you believe that truth? We clearly see God's power over death here in this story. We clearly see that God has the authority to continue to make us new and to give us new life. And in that, there's transformation, right? Ricky talked about it last week. No Jesus, no change, no change, no Jesus. And we see that the transformation of resurrection brings new life and brings more people to Christ because when we come to Christ, He transforms us. He makes us new. Like we saw with Saul's story before, He completely transformed His life and made Him new. And here we see the resurrection of Tabitha brings people to faith because when people see transformation, they go, what's different? What happened? Jesus happened. Jesus is what led to transformation. Jesus is what leads to new life. When people see the transformation in our life, they ask and wonder why. And it's all because of Christ himself. It's all because of Jesus' power over death. It's all because Jesus has come to save sinful, broken people, to bring them into the beautiful family of Christ. That we get to worship our God each and every single day because of what he has done, not not through what we could do because we can't resurrect ourselves. We can't bring ourselves to life, but only Jesus can. So what do we do with this, right? As we look to the story, we see resurrection, we see God's authority and power over death and disease. What do we do with it? Friends, Peter's a beautiful example for us to look at this text and see that he trusts God completely, that he has the power to heal and to bring people to life. And that power dwells within each and every single one of us if we've come to know Jesus. That the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And God uses us as His people to proclaim His name, to make Him known. We see that Peter clearly knew that and he trusted the Spirit of God to use him. And I imagine he remembered the conversation with Jesus in in John 14, verse 12. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And then he goes on a little later to say, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Christ's power is in you. It dwells within you if you were a believer. He resides in you. Do you believe that truth, that God's power is in you, believer? Do you trust that God wants to use you Do you trust that God's going to bring people to new life 
through you. Man, we've seen it time and time again. Jesus resurrects Lazarus and he brings him to life. Jesus resurrects the little girl and he brings her to life. Peter continually heals and resurrects Tabitha and brings her to new life. We have proof that Jesus can bring people to new life, that he can resurrect. Your proof if you're in Christ. God's power dwells within you. Do you believe that? He wants to use you to continue to encourage and care for others, to tell of the resurrection that you have and the power of God to heal broken, messy people. This resurrection power dwells within you to proclaim his name. I know that God has power over all things. I know that I can do nothing apart from Christ. I look back on those days as a young 15-year-old, and I wish I could have done something. I wish I could have taken my aunt's pain away. I wish that she could still be here with us. But it leads us to remember that there's a hope in Christ Jesus. Death is real. I think sometimes for us it's, it's really easy I think maybe, maybe it's just my youth, but it's really easy to forget that death will happen. It's inevitable. But there's life in Christ. That everlasting life that we have with Jesus and eternal joy with Him and that He will resurrect us all and bring us to Himself. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the new bodies that we'll have, that we are made like Adam out of the dust but we'll have new bodies like Christ himself. And that in that eternity, there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more hurting. There will be no more illness. Nothing but eternal beauty with Christ because he has the power to resurrect an eternal joy that we will walk into and be with him forever. That's the truth of Revelation 21.4. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. That's the hope that we look forward to, church. As we continue to walk here, we know that there's a resurrection power that our God has. We know that he has power over death and disease, and we know that he's God over all things. That's the hope that we look forward to. He doesn't just give us new life for just a little bit of time. But he gives us new life for eternity with Jesus because he's so gracious and so loving and so kind enough to die for us that we could experience his glory for eternity. God's power is not just temporary, but it's eternal and it reigns forever. And God's power is over all things. And that's what we get to look forward to. Amen? Amen. We're going to have communion here in a second. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And during communion, we get to celebrate and remember what our God has done for us. That his body was broken and his blood was shed. Also that we could have life and resurrection and a hope to look forward to in life everlasting with Christ. We can be sure of that truth over and over again, we can be sure to look forward to the kingdom that God has for us.
so I want you to examine your hearts for a second. Ask the Lord to remind you of that hope to look forward to. And let's take communion together. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we just have so many examples of your power and your authority over all things. I thank you that we get to look forward to the future hope of everlasting life with you with no more pain and no more suffering and no more hurting. Lord, I pray that you would continually remind us that you dwell within us, that your power dwells within us, and that as we speak your name and share the truth of who you are with others, that you do have the power to bring new life. You do have the power to bring dead hearts and raise them up with you. Jesus, I pray that we would always remember that you sacrificed yourself for us that we would cling to that eternal hope that we look so forward to. Lord, I pray that this season and this moment here today that your spirit would just wash over us and remind us of eternal glory with you. Not of our own works, but of yours. In your beautiful name, amen.